Hello and welcome back to The Rewind. I'm Josh and this is a podcast where I watch a bunch of movies and talk about them with my friends. Today's episode is about both Another Round and The Father and I'm happy to be joined by Josh Brown who just started pre-gaming work tomorrow. Josh, how's it going? <laughs> it's going, my guy. It's going. Uh, but I'm, I, like, this is, I've been going back, to, I've, I have my second dose the listeners who care and i've been going back to the movie theater now and it's that's a wonderful feeling what was your first one back i didn't realize that so my first one back was minari i saw that at the end that was like the safest i've ever felt in the movie theater um or like safest like social place since covid so like i was at our local art house theater the enzian mm-hmm. all right so if you're in orlando go to the enzian good place good people anyway and there, like, it was, like, everybody was, like, six foot uh, uh, spaced out apart. Um, I think it was on St. Patrick's Day. So, like, if people wanted to go out, they were going to, like, bars instead. Uh, though the NZN, they do have a nice bar to eat and bar check place out. Anyway. But, it, 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 like, it was really, that was a good, like, I felt very safe. Everybody kept their mask on. They did a temperature check, that type of thing. And... Also, the movie was pretty good. Minari's my favorite of the Best Picture nominees. And and so that was a good welcome back. And then I saw The Father uh, one day um, at the same theater. All right, so, then, so, so so you're back in full force now. You're, 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 yeah, you're, yeah, yeah, yeah. There you go. I mean, I... I, I saw Godzilla versus Kong, and I saw Raya and the Last Dragon today. I saw Nobody... Yeah, I'm sorry that your listeners don't care, but I just well, no, they they they, they 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 do care, but I and I'm curious. I didn't realize I I wasn't sure when you had made your return, but I I don't want to send you down a rabbit hole where you're reviewing everything and giving us the all out experience because you, you, yeah, you, then goes to like my like my log like my theater log from like 2007. Oh yeah, I saw. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm recording this from Central Time Zone. Josh is in Eastern, so I'm trying to keep him on track so I don't send him to bed at like midnight. Uh, but We'll, 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 we'll try and get the train back on the tracks. Uh, an, another round uh, is Denmark's submission for Best Foreign Film this year. Uh, it did get an Oscar nomination for that, and it's d- writer-director Thomas Vinterberg also got nominated for Best Director. It tells the story of four teachers in Denmark who are kind of in their early to mid-40s, I suppose, and they're all kind of just in a little bit of a rut, especially Martin, played by Mads Mikkelsen, who has a wife and two kids who he doesn't really seem to notice same can be said for all the students in his history class and one day where they're all at dinner all, him and his uh, three teacher friends uh, celebrating I think the birthday of I believe a character named Nikolaj uh, Nikolaj gets to talking about how there's a theory from a Norwegian philosopher and psychiatrist that it is sensible to drink because all humans are born with a blood alcohol content that is 0.05% too low and apparently at 0.05% you're at your most quote relaxed, poised, musical open and courageous and that is the optimal amount of alcohol to have at your system at any given moment and uh martin ends up trying to uh takes a sip of alcohol before class one day and then proposes to the group hey you guys let's do this you know for science and research purposes uh so they end up deciding they'll all try and drink just the right amount not too much but but enough to feel it and to feel good and you know what could go wrong uh, but stuff does go wrong because this is a movie. I, 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 at first, I didn't talk about this the first time I watched it, and then I realized I should have. Uh, once I saw Josh liked it, I thought he'd be a good person to talk about it with because uh, he is a teacher, a high school history teacher. Uh, yeah, so actually, uh, s- same as our main character, though. Uh, he, you're, Josh is at a much different point in life. Uh, Josh, I guess I, f- 
first want to ask you uh, if we can, we're going to keep it more bigger picture, probably on the whole anyway, because it's been a little bit since you watched it. But I was wondering when you first watched it, did it strike you more so than one one than any of the other as whether this was a, a teacher movie, a drinking movie or a midlife crisis movie? Or was it something else to you? And why did this movie really speak to you beyond the fact that these guys were teachers? So, like, it is all of the above, mm-hmm. um, if, if it's that Venn diagram. And, and like, from a teacher's standpoint, and, what, like, by the way, I, I like Thomas Finnenberg. I, I was a huge fan of his previous collaboration with Matt Mickelson, uh, The Hunt. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, like, and, and I was cheering the day that he got the surprise Oscar nomination for Best Director, and this movie was, like, my number two of the year. And so, you know, um, it did speak to me. And so being a teacher, I, I can't divorce that bias. And also I kind of uh, like, you know, sort of what Martin is feeling in the movie is sort of what I'm feeling in the fourth quarter. Like, and that's what every teacher <laughs> feels as the year wraps up, especially when it's a COVID year as well. We're all just like exhausted, burnt out and stuff like that. And so I kind of... And as a, and here's the thing, I, I respond to teacher movies that like, I think with movies about teachers, there's like two categories, right? You either get like sort of like the inspirational white savior like narrative where like a teacher comes to like a downtrodden school and like got to reform it and is like very self serious, right? And then you get like the teacher movies where, where at least if the teachers are like characters, they're sort of like buffoons and stuff like that and this film just sort of treats them as like real people we talk i'd say say we talked about one of the latter last year with election oh yeah 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 that's a rare one and a very accurate one and then this one is one where like see the thing i always say about like teachers is like i don't trust the teacher who doesn't drink you know like uh um, or have some type of vice because that type of job is very exhausting right and also, it's a little bit taboo to sort of think of, like, you know, a teacher in that type of way engaging in, like, uh, uh, social recreational activities that, like, we all take part in, right? Now, it's a little bit different in the culture that it's depicting. Here in America, we're a little bit more uh, conservative with that type of stuff. But, yeah, like, so I kind of, I, I got where uh, the Mads Mikkelsen character uh, was going. Because, like, even though I'm a lot... Uh, uh, younger than his character in the movie um you know there is like some type of complacency that sometimes you feel and i imagine when you get older when you're teaching the same subject year after year after year and you want to like just but and also like he's going through a midlife crisis with his like family and his wife so you know he's looking for stuff to spice things up and so i get that impulse and there's a scene in the movie where i was just like damn he's fucked like holy shit like <laughs> from a teacher point of view like there's a scene in the begin, like towards the beginning of the movie when you kind of get this like sort of the impetus for him to start uh this quest uh starting to uh drink he gets conf- he he walks into his classroom and he gets confronted with all these kids and i think even their parents are in the classroom and they're all telling him how much he like sucks at his job and like that intervention, like, oh, that's, like, your worst nightmare as a teacher. Like, I was like, how he's going to recover from that? I don't know. Like, shoot, man. But, yeah. So, it, I, he was definitely, like, a leeway for me into the movie. But also, like, 
you know, the filmmaking in of itself it is like it's shot like mostly like held handheld, and it just has a different vibe um, than like some American contemporaries. Yeah, you know, I I think it's funny that you said about not trusting anyone with advice. I think I don't have any statistics offhand. I'm a lawyer, and I think lawyers disproportionately kind of have like drinking problems and stuff like that too. And but at the same time, you know, I when I being a lawyer was like my first ever full time job, and I think. You know, but I think there might have been a couple of moments after one of my uh, summer internships, and then definitely when I first started my job, I got in a good habit of like working out in the morning. So then, I, at the at the end of the day, I kind of finally got what it meant to like have a beer at the end of the day. You know, you kind of heard that. You know, that is like a trope, at least maybe what you see in pop culture. Maybe you hear hear people that dislike to drink at the end of the day in real life, but it had never been something that occurred to me because up until I became a lawyer, I'd you know ever since I've been someone that drank, I'd been either in college or law school and you're just drinking all the time. There's not really a distinction of uh, drinking at the end of the day at that point, uh, maybe a little more so in law school than undergrad, but you get my drift. And so I was thinking about it both as you were talking and also like, you know, specifically what it meant to be a teacher. Cause I still don't think I've ever become a guy that necessarily just drinks a beer at the end of the day. I too often just like have something I'm doing at the end of the day. Like I might just want to go to the movies and I'm too anal about going to the bathroom during the movies to just like drink a beer right when, right when I get home. If I'm going to a movie in 30 minutes, I don't want to fill up my bladder. But I was thinking about teaching specifically too as I was watching it on top of the fact that like, look, I've always thought of an alcohol is just something you do to unwind, but like maybe you won't need it for that purpose if you've had a more fun time during the day because you've been <laughs> buzzed. But like teaching, you know, I even before you said that about like, you know, teaching the same subject for a long time, I just had the thought as I was watching the movie, like, man, like, I mean, being a lawyer is draining in certain ways because, like, it, you know, it can be high stress and you're having to think in all these different ways and regard to a lot of different cases, but not necessarily the monotony of teaching, but, like, the speaking aspect of it, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, they, uh, it's very apparent that uh, Martin at the beginning of the movie is not on, and that's what his students pick up on, and they think he's doing a bad job, so they they, they dish it, rat, rat him out to their parents. But, like, even if you're not someone that's, like, having the middle life crisis he has, I can just imagine, I'm sure you could speak to it, like just thinking about it, it seems like it'd be tough. Like we do have to speak as lawyers. Like we have hearings, there might be trials and maybe public defenders and state attorneys have to do a little more of this because they're in court like every day. So I I've never lived that life, but like to just get up and like same thing with being an actor, just like anything where to get up and speak in front of people. And I'm not even saying it's like, Oh, that's uncomfortable. Cause I'm not someone that has trouble with public speaking, but just like every day to like, have to like talk to people in to a group all day. That just seems like it would be like, take a lot a lot more out of you physically than i'd ever really thought until i was like watching this movie and it's like oh well that would certainly make it easier to get through that job yeah no like so um that's a good point like so basically like it's very difficult for me because like i have to wake up every day at like 6 a.m and so like and like you know i'm still like a young person and so like i'm not like getting like you know, I'm not responsible for my bedtime, right? I, I, I still go to sleep kind of late and stuff. So I'm there are days where I'm going into work with, like, zero sleep. And, like, I also have to, like, you know, be in charge of these students and make sure, like, A, I'm teaching them, but B, also, like, you know, I'm there if something goes wrong. And so, so that part is draining in of itself. And then the other part of it that's also draining, it, and, like, this is the thing where, like, I relate a little bit to Martin now. Uh, in the sense that, like, you know, he's a high school teacher, and from the looks of it, he teaches at a good school, very similar to mine, where, like, student behavior is not really that much of an issue, uh, which can make you be even a little bit more complacent, 
And so, like, but, like, the thing that most teachers uh, uh, face is the fact that, like, you know, kids are very difficult. Like, especially if you're doing younger, like, middle school, like I used to do. That was hell. Like, that's when, like, I like I would come home, I would get off of work, and I would have to quickly go to a bar because I needed a drink, you know. And, like, you know, teach. and during that period of time, I remember one teacher, like, told me, like, she's, like, during the summer, I collect all these, like, wine bottles, right? They barely go uh, untouched or whatever. And then by the time the school year happens, like, within a week, like, like I'm out of, like, I'm done with, like, I have to refill, restock, you know? So, and I've been in a situation where, if, like, teacher friends were, like, after a particularly rough day, like, they try to, like, cheer me up and, like, work out drinking. And it's some of the drunkest memories I had was with, like, a teacher, like, you know, like, 20 years older than me. And we're just, like, you know, taking shots and stuff after, uh, a, like, a day that I had, like, similar to Martin where I'm, like, oh, shit. <laughs> like, wait, on, on, on a weeknight? A school night? It was a Friday night. Oh, okay. It was a Friday night. Yeah, I can I can get on one hand how many times I like drank on like a, a week uh, on like a weeknight since entering the workforce, and it is like or like going out drinking, drinking, not just had a drink at home, and it is not fun to like have to do that as an adult. <laughs> By the way, now like okay, this podcast is gonna make me sound like an alcoholic, which I'm not. Like I actually, I I'm a little bit older now, so like drinking actually takes a lot out of me. I don't like the feeling of it. Um, I'm I, uh, I I just turned thirty, so I'm right there with you. Yeah, yeah, like you know, I'll I'll take like you know, I'll, like I'll go out here or there, whatever. But like you know, if it gets past two beers, like mm, that's a little bit too much for me. But um, actually, one of my worst. So when I was teaching middle school, after like a particularly bad day, like like I, I would say m- m- one of the worst days teaching. But like there were so many of them that year. But so I lost count. But like. I, I left uh, work and then I went to, I was like, it was like, I was exhausted. I was like, I need a drink. I need to clear my thoughts. Like I need to like figure stuff out. So I go to like, like the, my go-to bar and I'm outside and like, yeah, I just got back from work. So like my ID is my badge or so on. And I sit down and right when I like, like was about to like pick up the menu I see inside my boss, the principal, is inside, <laughs> like, drinking with, like, the assistant principal and, like, some other people, and I was just, like, and then, like, she makes eye contact with me, so now I have to, like, but I'm by myself, and so I had to, like, quickly call, like, my friend who's a drama teacher and be like, hey, I will whatever stop whatever you're doing come down here <laughs> i will buy you your friends a drink just like to make this situation not awkward and i remember i went inside i like shook the principal's hand and she was like oh do you want to join us we're gonna do the trivia thing or whatever and i'm like oh i'm just waiting for my friend shelby so <laughs> i think this was like before i had like actually called her and said hey come out here <laughs> but anyway um so like uh um uh, my friend she she's a good friend so she did come but so when she so like you know when like the principal asked me to like like play trivia night with her or whatever she was just being like polite like she's just like like nice right but like like probably wouldn't off like probably doesn't really want me to sit down you know um then like when the drama teacher this also was 
an indication of where I stood that year as a, in terms of my job prospects. Because then when the drama teacher came down, she hugged her and was like, oh, we were just talking about you. Like, blah, blah. And was just much more enthusiastic. So, but... Well, so as, yeah. as, as, as someone though that has uh, faced these uh, stresses and had these uh, and kind of gone through maybe some of the same um some some of the same scenarios maybe some of these guys have but albeit you're younger and again well i was gonna ask you i mean not i, I don't want to keep getting off track from the plot but did this make you wish you were a teacher in a foreign country it looks like these guys live pretty swank lives for teachers oh yeah, yeah well yeah like they live in like a nice coastal like see here's the thing like they live in like a nice like coastal town or whatever there's like like a lot of like uh, nice um, suburban schools here, upper middle class and stuff. So I'm kind of used to like the schools that they go to. But to live, it also does seem to like even there, like their wives are making more money than that. One, like, one of them explicitly said his wife was loaded. The others yeah. didn't. So maybe it's not really like the teachers get paid that much better that I'm sure they probably do get paid a bit better in certain European countries that are uh, well off financially. Uh, but it was just a thought I had. I was like, wow, some of these houses are actually pretty dope. See, but what, what would scare me off a little bit is like so like the place that they're living. It seems like it's like a like a close knit community of like you know people who go to that school because like again they partake in that that community drinking game or whatever where you know you'll see your students, you'll see the teachers, right? Um, that would freak me out. That I don't want. Like every time I've been spotted by a student, and funnily enough, like the few times I've been spotted by a student in public, more often than not it was like at like sports bars where like they would have like trivia nights where I'd be there with like my teacher friends and they would be there with like their families or whatever. Like one time I was holding a beer and it, and like a kid, like, like this one I taught, like it was after I was teaching middle school. It was like the summer after that. And like the kid goes up to me while I have like my beers, like Mr. Brown, want to meet my dad or <laughs> like my family. And I'm holding this like pint and I'm just like, okay (laughs) it's just like um um so yeah like like yeah but the close-knit community thing that just means you're going to be spotted like while you're at this drinking event that that's that's like my worst nightmare honestly well i mean i think it's normal for people to have uh beer at the end of a day so i'm not gonna uh i i I think you're uh i think you're a little too worried about what 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 people are gonna think of this but i have you but i'm i am curious though uh what did you think like what as someone that like again is totally normal likes to go out and have a drink at the end of the day what did yeah. you think about the conceit of this movie because i did find it I, I just found it kind of fascinating because i even talked about this in my letterbox review but it's like i've sometimes i sometimes do things just because like alcohol can aid in them even if like you know do drink just because alcohol can aid in the activity i'm about to partake in even if it's not like i'm going out just to drink yeah. and so i thought it was like actually a really interesting conceit for a movie i heard vandenberg talking about it in an interview where he where he's just like look i a lot of great people have, that were drunks have accomplished things and i wanted to explore that and so i just really like the conceit of this movie and we'll talk about where it goes but uh how did you feel like this movie kind of just like how do you feel about the plot i mean we don't have to go too detailed overall but like it's an it's a it's a fun experiment and fun idea for a movie and i, I really respected that so like the premise like yeah like uh no pun intending uh no pun intended but i thought it was uh intoxicating um because i i think like you know, I remember, like, my first year teaching where, like, nothing was working. I was very stressed out, and, like, and I was very, like, like moody and angry and stuff like that. So, like, you know, I was tempted. I was just, like, like you know, like, anything 
to work. Maybe if I did this, like, maybe if I had a drink, like, for every time, like, I could do something bad. Like, maybe, like, the day would go by faster. But obviously, like, you know, you can't go to work intoxicated. Um, that would always, like, uh, uh, lead to bad things. But especially with, like, as a teacher, like, your career would be over if you did that. You know what I mean? And so, like, you know, so, and I also, like, you know, like, the teacher in me, when I see, like, the character, like, sneaking, like, a sip in, like, the bathroom in the movie, I'm just like, oh, no, guy. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, like, you know, I'm, I'm, like, I'm, like, you're, like, one meeting, disciplinary meeting away from, well, like. The guy hiding all the, the bottles around that gym closet was just, like, so stupid. You know, it'd be so much easier just to, like, Put it in like a like a paper bag wrapped in another plastic bag at the bottom of your backpack. No one would ever actually find it yeah. that way. Or just don't bring that stuff to campus, my guy. Well, that's like, it. Yes. like, like there's so many kids. But, 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 they, they wouldn't be able to kind of carry out their plan though if they did that. You got, they're supposed to keep the buzz throughout the day. Yeah, I, I got I got that. I got <laughs> that. Like so that, that, that that's a good point. But you know, my but like also another reason why I shouldn't be doing that. But yeah, like. So, like, the, the premise is – here's the thing, though. I kind of – I feel like because of its premise, like, the movie feels like it has to do some moral hand-wringing about it. Like, there must be a fall to it. And that seemed a little – for this type of movie, right, um, because it has this, like, European sensibility to it, it I felt like that was a little bit inauthentic. I, I like So where the movie kind of goes towards the end – the fact that it has to, like, have some type of fall, like, the characters must face, like, extreme consequences. And to be fair, I don't think they, none of them, like, lose their jobs. Or, well, actually, no, there's one uh, plot detail where I care, I, I'm not sure if we can get into spoilers. But, like, um, it does get dire. But I feel like that's a little bit forced. Whether I probably prefer, like, it being not moralizing at all about the circumstance i think uh, i wish the movie had a little bit more courage to go in that direction yeah i mean like i i see what you're saying because i think it's like self-explanatory enough to most sensible people watching that it's like this is probably not something you should do so you yeah. don't necessarily need the movie to so explicitly come down on the side of this is not something you should do i think most responsible yeah, people could like get that but so i guess my thing was when i was watching it was i was curious should they have like ultimately like kind of just should it have worked? Should their plan have just kind of worked the whole time, but then them get in some other kind of trouble because someone gets just caught and it's just like, well, we're not, the movie is not like uh, making a moral judgment, but like the character that catches them obviously has to. Instead, it's like, it go, they get caught more so because, or like at least one of them kind of gets caught uh, because it's just they decide to take it past the point of just drinking a regular small amount and but at the same time i didn't really blame it for that because of course if you tried something like this it wouldn't just like go according to plan you know yeah like yeah like you know and i get that logic too but as you said like i think you make the good point of like the audience sort of knows that like the this thing can't last uh, very long, and I do like that. Like there is, it, the movie does complicate things a bit. Where like you know, there's that scene where Mad's character, the teacher, when he is drunk, he is like a better teacher. Like that lesson plan that he comes up with, like the Winston Churchill versus Hitler. I'm like, I wanted to steal that. 
That was like an actual like I, like no joke. I'm like that's a good one. Like I, I'm sure you should like, you should steal that. No one's gonna sue you for copyright infringement if you steal that for your AP class. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like oh no, you got that from another round. This Danish, <laughs> like yeah, no. But uh, my take is more like I'm sure that like lesson is like a like a basic thing that like other teachers have been using for years, and like I, I'm just added the loop on, you know. But, like, I do like that it sort of complicates things with Mads where, all right, like, it is kind of working for him in a bit, for a while. I liked it, but at the same time, I kind of get, like, it's going so well that you you get the impulse to make it go more well. And he, they call it drinking to the point of ignition, uh, which is, like, the, the next point. Uh, you, know, you know, at first it's at the point at which you're neither sober nor drunk. Then it becomes the point of ignition. I, I, I did kind of buy that they would kind of be seduced by the idea once it started going so well. And, of course, it can only—it's a movie, like we said. It, it has to go somewhere. But I just thought it was kind of fascinating to watch just how intricate they, they, they laid it all out. And they did a pretty good job. Like, I mean, I still can't remember any of their names besides Martin, the uh, which is Mad's character. But, like, I mean, they did a fairly good job for, like, at least— uh, two of the other three. The the, the one guy that's uh, that you know, the, there's one guy that encourages his student to drink, which is this whole other thing. Uh, I don't. Yeah, don't do that. We, don't do that. We don't get a lot of his interior life, but the other guys, we, we see they have family struggles, and actually, we don't really see. Well, Martin doesn't have a family. Is kind of what we're led to believe, and that's probably part of why it. Or not Martin, excuse me. The the guy that coaches the soccer team and is the gym teacher. He doesn't have a family, so that that that's part of why things are probably going off the rails for him as because he doesn't have a support system like some of the other guys might necessarily have though martin's marriage kind of falls apart too and we're left to see where that's gonna go so i know it it does a pretty good job though again of setting up why all these guys would be drawn to such a plan why they would it's just it doesn't they're efficient of it you kind of get it these guys are having a midlife crisis and they need something to spice it up and i don't know it just as a human being that's had alcohol before you just you get the impulse so uh quick question yeah um and and I, I sign off i co-sign on everything you just said there out of the best director nominees did you feel like uh wittenberg uh deserved it there was deserved that slot yeah i mean i it, it was the slot a lot of people would go thought would go to aaron sorkin i was totally fine with it not going to aaron yeah. sorkin I, I yeah. kind of, I kind of re- resigned myself to thinking that was what was going to happen, um, and so, but it was because like Winterberg wasn't even in the conversation. Like, uh, I, 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 mean, I, I think a couple people like looked at it and just saw that like it had done well in some maybe other awards voting, and like he has a chance to do what the Cold War guy did. Like, I don't think a lot of people, I don't think a lot of people predicted it, but. I don't think it was necessarily shocking because people seen that like the director's branch because of the Pawlikowski crashing it and Bradley Cooper missing out and I think I don't know if they, no I don't know if they were the same yeah I think they might have been yeah no no you're right you're right yeah yeah that, yeah so yeah there's a he, little he pushed out uh, Cooper yeah so there's a little bit of precedent so be- you're you're right that it was it was a little bit of a surprise but it wasn't like shocking and I was See? personally okay with it. See, this year I haven't been like following the prognostications or whatever. Yeah. And I had heard that like when it was like I've heard people make that case what you just said, right? But like my thing was just like, how would you have even made that case? Because the only list I saw it like shortlisted on was Best Foreign Language. And unlike Cold War, where like yeah, that was a surprise, though like I think like like that was a surprise, but like there was so much money being spent on the marketing that like this year there isn't because of covid that like you know like it was getting like a really big theatrical release you know in comparison to like another round where it's like you know i thought like 
it sort of came and went like I saw it and then I didn't think like I wasn't even 100% sure to get the foreign language nomination yeah. I knew that it was like you know like a, a favorite in there but yeah yeah, I mean, if you look at some of the other things that got nominated for Best Picture too, like, I mean, I would have been fine if I would have been, I, I probably would have preferred the guy from The Father get nominated ahead of Aaron Sorkin. I actually, we're going to talk about The Father, but I really liked it and I thought it was really interesting and effective in how it was directed. And and I like Judas and the Black Messiah more than you, but I, I, I don't know. It's just no, no. Like, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I, I still like like Judas and the Black Messiah. I gave it four stars. It's my second favorite out of the Best Picture nominees. My favorite being Minari. I so I was probably conflating you and Daniel's opinions a little bit but yeah i got yeah you. yeah he's colder on it than i am I like you. i could understand some of the things like he's coming down on but i it, it clicked for me a lot more uh where and especially compared to the rest of the field like look like you know it, it, it's it's not the best field like i don't believe anybody could say with a straight face like it's not to be fair given how little they had to go off of um, it could have been worse. It could have been way worse. Because I actually, I only think I straight up dislike two movies out of the Best Picture nominees. Um, and there's, which, and, and I know you really didn't like One Night in Miami, and that easily could have made it, you know? Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Now, like, for instance, this is my take, um, what I was, like, telling people. Because, like, take Promising Young Woman, right? Which is, like, that movie, which I liked. I like Promising Young Woman, but... What's kind of funny about it is it kind of does feel like the Blumhouse take on, like, an Oscar movie, like, taking this, like, social issue and then, like, turning it into a genre piece. And it kind of feels, like, in the style of a Blumhouse film. It's kind of funny that, like, that that gets nominated, whereas there's a movie that has similar, like, themes made by Blumhouse that more people saw. And I think it's actually less polarizing than Invisible Man. And that's kind of wild that that's not nominated. You know what I mean? Given how weak the like the field is, and and also like how that was actually like a fairly well liked movie. You know, like we, like would could you see a list that had like that movie on there? Same with I think the same could be said of Tenet. Uh, well, I really didn't like Tenet. I I I I, I, I like The Invisible Man, and I see what you're saying. I mean that, that you know I, I see no reason why. If the Invisible Man had gotten, well, actually, I take that back because the Invisible Man got released at the same time of year as Get Out, and I think it's kind of similar to Get Out in some ways. And like you said, it had, it's a bit of a social commentary. This though being more about like you know uh, the, the way we treat the, just the, the way we treat women overall. It's more about ab- it, it, domestic abuse and than I'd say sexual uh, abuse. But I mean, it, it kind of hits a lot of those same touchstones and was a similar point of year. So I shouldn't just say that release date's the only reason because I mean Get Out at a February release and got a bunch of Oscar nominations. So it is a little funny though, like you said, that because it has those parallels that it didn't do as well as Promising Young Woman, which I prefer Promising Young Woman, but I would have been totally fine if, you know, Invisible Man had gotten that kind of love. Like Elizabeth Moss just had a great year. Um, Yeah, no, like that's another one. Like, you know, given the field, given the year, like why is in the, like I think there's been several years in a row where it's like, why is in Moss like in the best actress contention? Did you watch the United States versus Billie Holiday? I have not seen that. It's, a, it's not uh, a good movie. Like uh, Andrew Day, who has the lead performance, is very good, but it's like, man. That's what I heard. Yeah, she, I, I can't complain about her getting nominated, but it's like Invisible Man is like such a better movie than that. Here's the thing I don't get. This is the thing I really don't get. Why are we rallying behind Nomadland? Is it too late? Like, is it too late? Like, can we like 
canceled the Oscars. Like, put a pause. Like, can we just give it... Let's give it to Minari. That's a better movie. Give it to Judas Black. Like, is it too late for anything to come back in its place? Or this is what we're going to do. We're going to resign ourselves. And then, like, nine years from now, people are going to have to, like, explain why Nomadland won Best Picture and and then admit that they didn't see it. Well, who knows? We're, 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 as, as we were recording this, the SAG Awards are happening. You know, who knows? Maybe Promising Young Woman will win the SAG, not, uh, a SAG Ensemble Award, and uh, people are going to then, like, the narrative will shift, and maybe it'll beat out Nomadland or something like well, that. Well, that's the other thing, too, because I heard about that. Like, all right. If you told me looking at that list of best actress nominees and based off of like like where the race is at, I would have told you, oh, I think Frances McDormand is going to get a three. She's going to get her third Oscar, right? Um, but now people are telling me that like Carrie Mulligan is like even though like like neither one of them won at the Globes, right? Wasn't it like Andre Day at the Globes? Yeah, and, the Globes like to right? do stuff weird, stuff like that, and yeah, yeah, yeah. But they have like no shot, right? It's one of those type of things. Like, so isn't it going to be France? Because this is what I see: Nomadland pick like Chloe Joe, Zhao. not a fan. Mm-hmm. I, uh, um, uh, I, what what did you say? I think it's Zhao, but yes, I got you. No, no, no. It's pronounced Joe, like the Z H. Oh, really? Has, okay. Well, I thank yeah, you for yeah, correcting yeah. me because I probably said it wrong a bunch. Yeah, no, I had a, there's a whole year where I was teaching about, like, uh, these Chinese dynasties, and, like, the, and I was teaching the middle schoolers, and they couldn't get over the fact that it was not pronounced Zhao, and, and like, I was like, it's Joe, like, they're like, but it's Z, and I'm like, just get over the fact, like, and they're, like, little kids are dumb. Okay, anyway. I, th- I think you need to brace yourself for it, is what I'm going to say. I mean, I, I get it, like, there's, they, they, you know, bec- there's a there's a lane where you could see Fran McDormand winning, and, uh, but, like, I think, I, 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 it just seems like they probably would, it seems like there's enough juice behind Carrie Mulligan. Uh, that- I, I, I like Carrie Mulligan. I, I think also, like, I liked her in, um, I'm cool with Carrie Mulligan winning. I was just saying that, like, normally I'd, like... I know you're like, afraid of, you're think- afraid of No Man Land doing it. I get it. But, like, I think, she probably has it wrapped up, but like I don't know if she's she's pro- they might have already announced that sag win, but we'll see. Uh, but I, I think you got to brace yourself for no man line. There's a there's a path for something else winning, but you just got you're just getting you're just gonna have to accept it's probably gonna happen, man. I'm sorry. But Josh, did you like Nomadland? Is that your favorite out of the nominees? Oh no no no, I, I did like it, but I have it's actually it's actually my number ten though. I mean I don't I, you could easily convince me to put a couple other things in that spot. But I have uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and Promising Young Woman ahead of it in my top ten. So, um, okay, m- okay. N- nothing else in my top ten got nominated for Best Picture, though. So oh, you're cold. Are you cold on Minari? I wouldn't say I'm cold. I, it's probably like I think it's it, it's in my I have it like uh, seventeen of the year. Um, I just it didn't blow me away like I was hoping it would, and I think I, my expectations might have been a little too high, and I was expecting a more powerful moment than it gave me, and it didn't move me to the extent that I was ex- hoping it would. Here's the thing. I was worried that I was not gonna like Minari, um, and then I was pleasantly surprised that um, it, it had all the emotional beats for me. Um, and again, it was a good first movie, and it, and it was. Here's the thing. This is what I'll say about the theatrical experience. Seeing a movie on a big screen doesn't like. It doesn't like you know the, the when I'm sitting down like watching it on a big screen that that hasn't like been emotional in any regard. It's more like seeing a movie in a crowd, like like when I was at the concession stands and feeling, seeing all the crowds, and because I'm, oh wow, you you're know, such a romantic. 
What? <laughs> I said you're such a romantic getting moved by just seeing the crowds. Yeah, like like when I was in concession stand, that was the moving thing. Just like like I it, like you know, I was amongst this crowd. We're all seeing a movie, so movies are viable. And and like I'm already with my second dose, so I feel safe being in a crowd, but also feeling feeling safe amongst yeah. the crowd. That was the good part. But like you know, seeing it on a big screen doesn't change the fact that the movie's mediocre or not. Like I saw Godzilla versus Kong on a big screen. I saw an IMAX. Still a bad movie. Ah, oh, I thought I thought that was solid. But hey, uh, <laughs> l- l- let me ask you before let's finish this up, and then we'll we'll talk all the other movies. And when we do your top ten, but I gotta, um, I, I, I again, I don't want to keep you here too late. So, do you have any thought? We, we I gotta ask you about the ending of another round before we just move on. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's one of the most uh, memorable movie endings of 2020, maybe the most memorable. Uh, I, I, I guess I just, I just want to get your reaction to it because I mean it, it kind of comes out of nowhere, but it's uh, it, it, it's it's really something. I was listening to an interview with Wittenberg and Mickelson, and, and, I, and I did not know I did not know Mickelson was actually a professional dancer. So I guess that's maybe it shouldn't have been as like oh my god this guy can dance as it was for me, but I didn't know that at the time. So I should add that caveat. And I I was listening to an interview that Vittenberg and Mickelson were doing um, on a podcast, and then Vittenberg was saying about like the dance sequence. You know, he he knew like you know he said the thing that you mentioned earlier about like he wanted to do a movie about like all right the fact that a lot of our greatest like innovators like you know were drunk when they were making their masks for work work, and then also the oh he said the reason why he chose occupation. For a teacher, I forgot to mention this, is because he's like, all right, what's a profession that like this person would feel like like he's being like observed by sharks, like or whatever, like where he, he couldn't necessarily get away with being drunk, like he would have to be worried about it, and they, that's how they settle on teacher teaching, and he, and they said like the kids, the children are like the shark, and like. He has to sort of like you know they 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 start with such a low opinion with him, of him and then by the end of the film, um, they 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 come to respect him by the end of the school year, right? And, they, and even, like, even when they see that like he's kind of like mellowed out after he stopped drinking, it's like he kind of already earned their respect in a way. Right, right. And so I think like when he was talking, and this leads to like the ending scene where he's dancing, and he said like, "Hey, like the dancing is sort of like." him getting rid of an exorcist like sort of him exercising like his demons out or whatever but also like you know he still hasn't really fully given up drinking you know like like there's some moral ambiguity i think that's what Wittenberg was getting at yeah it gets like you know they're a little conflicted about whether or not they're going to accept a drink from a waiter when they go out to drink they go out at the end of the movie it's like are we alcoholics now? I, they're, they're like, we don't, we should be able to enjoy this kind of, but we're, we've just gone through this weird experience. It's, it's a funny place to leave them, but it's also very, uh, I, I, it's, it's just an incredibly visual and moving and, um, imaginative sequence. And I, I kind of respect it. I, you, you might've heard the same, I think we're both talking about probably the same interview. I listened to them on the big picture and he was like worried. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he was worried it would come off as like, he was worried to be pretentious to do something that esoteric at the end. And it, and I'm glad they just went for it. I mean, it's cause sometimes I'm not even necessarily here for stuff that gets that weird and is that untraditional, but I really liked it. So, um, yeah. I think we'd By the to... way, how long do you give it until like? Because um, um, another movie this kind of reminds me of, like another European like foreign film that like made a splash here, 
in America, uh, force majeure. Hmm. Um, oh, and, yeah. <laughs> and then, like, so, like how long do you give this movie until like we make like an American remake of it? Uh, well, you, well yeah. you know, I hope they I hope they uh, learn their lesson from trying to do that because I watched that movie that, down downhill. I was I was yeah, yeah, it's so, it's so freaking wild. That was a 2020 movie. It feels like it was so long ago. That was another one here's of those the, the first. Here's the thing. Like and I love Force Majeure. I thought Force Majeure is the far superior movie. I thought it was uh, a a really good film. That movie made my top ten. And so when I saw Downhill this year, funnily enough, I saw Downhill on Valentine's Day, and I was coming home from work, and I didn't know. I had forgotten it was Valentine's Day. For me, it was payday, and yeah. so I was like, "Let me take myself to this like nice restaurant that I've been wanting to try. That's right next to the movie theater." And it's like this nice bougie restaurant, but it's Valentine's Day. And once I sat down, I remembered that. And then, <laughs> like, the waitress was just like, "You waiting for someone?" <laughs> no, the wait. Like you know, when I explained like table for one, and she was like, "Wow, going uh, by yourself, treating yourself to a nice meal on on like on Valentine's Day at a restaurant." Ballsy, <laughs> and I was like, "Yeah." But down, down, but downhill just wasn't good, you know. And it's like, I'm. Did you like it? I thought it. I thought it. Like the, someone had to take that. Like if you didn't know that, like for if you had never seen Force Majeure, right, and you had n- and you could not. It's fair. Compare yeah. it. Yeah, if you didn't have that to compare it to, then it'd be like a solid. Like, oh wow, this is an interesting kind of studio comedy with these big stars is doing darker things that, um, that's a good point actually because i think i think my whole takeaway was that like it didn't do enough to justify itself because force majeure exists like you gotta try something a little yeah. inventive and different fair point but uh you could definitely see another round getting remade i mean if you're trying to ask me to cast it uh man i, I don't know if there's like a lot of you know there's like an like an owen wilson like vince vaughn like well matt mickelson is not a comedic actor so i I mean i could see them putting some comedians around there but um but but i imagine if you did an american remake of this it would go broader it'd uh, be a much like you could see like the four friends as like zach galifianakis uh charlie day you know i I would hope i would hope they would not go that that far but i'm uh god i'm i'm wondering I could I could be here all day trying to cast that movie, but I'm, I'm my my answer would be I would I, I could get it if they went a little broader, but I wouldn't want to go with that casting of that ilk. Though yeah, I guess it could certainly happen, uh, unless they wanted to try and make those actors make something darker. Then maybe I'd be here for it. I mean, you no, know, like I could also see it, like an American re- like you know, I always see like like the when I do like these thought experiments, I play like all sorts of like variations of it because I could also see like like an American indie version of it like that. You know, like I could see the Alexander Payne version of it. You know what I mean? For sure. All right. Well, I think we both recommend another round. Now we're going to talk about The Father, uh, which is the Oscar-nominated, Best Picture-nominated movie uh, from writer-director Florian Zeller. It tells the story of – I don't remember that dude's name. Not that it really matters. I could have just called him Anthony Hopkins the whole time. Uh, Dude, he plays – his character name is Anthony. Oh, it is. <laughs> maybe, maybe Anthony. Maybe, that moment in. Maybe, that moment in. I mean, it's weird. Maybe Anthony Hopkins is really losing it, and they had to do that. Uh, um, uh, <laughs> I had that thought. <laughs> all right. It tells the story of a man named Anthony, played by Anthony Hopkins, who is uh, in the early stages of Alzheimer's and has a daughter, played by Olivia Coleman, who uh, 
it wants to take great care of him, and he is just uh, not having it, and is making life very difficult on her. Though she honestly just feels like, though she just feels like it's kind of her duty as the daughter to look after her father that is not well. And we kind of go through what a, 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 a certain amount of time in their life as she is dealing with all the challenges that come with that, and that is basically what this movie was, Josh. And I didn't know a lot more about it going in, and. I'm curious, I think you're kind of like me, and you normally try and be completist with these things, and at least before the Oscars, see most of the Best Picture nominees, and though I think a lot of people that we like to talk to movie, talk about movies with have just kind of been putting this one off, because, and totally understandably so, like, you know, times are tough, the world isn't a fun place right now, if you're going to do something with your free time, there are much more fun-sounding things to do, even during a pandemic, than go watch the Alzheimer's movie, so... so, so- let me be. Can I be real with you, Josh? Yes. Can I be real with you? Yeah, can yeah. I be honest? Look, I had thought I would never see this movie. I thought I was going to treat it like The Wife. It'd be that movie that had Oscar buzz and maybe it gets an actor nomination. Hell, it could win one, right? But I'm never going to see that movie, right? Mm. So then it gets nominated for Best Picture, and I'm a fucking completionist, right? The yeah. only movie from this past, from the 2010 to 2019 uh, uh, calendar year of movies been nominated for Best Picture. The only one I have not seen of the Best Picture nominees. I've seen every single one of them. Can you guess which one I haven't seen? Uh, thing is, it's probably something I didn't see because, you know, I've seen everything since, everything I've got nominated since like 2013, whatever, after the year the artist one okay, was. Okay, So this one is 2016. Oh, you didn't see something in 2016. Uh, did you not see, did you skip Fences? I saw Fences. Oh. What did you not, 2016, there, that was your Fences, uh, La La Land, Moonlight, Manchester by the Sea, uh, what am I forgetting from that year? I don't know, what, 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 I'm sure you saw all those, what, what didn't you see? A Hacksaw Ridge? No, I saw, unfortunately, <laughs> hell, I probably recorded a podcast with you on it, I don't know, but I saw Hacksaw Ridge. No, I, I Hacksaw Ridge was before this incarnation of the podcast, but uh, okay. um, I, what, what what did you not see that year? Lion. Oh, I, I, that, I that was one that I that one was one that like I mean got some nominee actually got a decent amount of nominations, but I don't think it was available for that long. So you might have avoided it on purpose, but like I mean I think you're probably not like, alone in that one. Like not like maybe not like one hundred percent on purpose or whatever. Like when it got that was like definitely like a Weinstein. He like steamrolled that thing in, you know. I think that was sort. I think that was like his last, like, like. That w. was his last, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, I I actually really liked um, Wind River, and but that was like that, like came out like you know within like a month of like Me Too just blowing up. So. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, yeah. Like I think that was the last Weinstein movie to get a Best Picture nomination, if I'm not mistaken. So you're um, so I get well, I get your larger point though you're a completionist and why we yeah. so you're probably avoiding the Alzheimer's movie unless it gets the nomination. Yeah, 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 exactly. I'm like this looks like a and look like um because last year we dodged another Anthony Hopkins movie, The Two Popes, which is the first movie I saw this decade of the 2020s, right? Which that should have been a bad omen in itself. And I saw the two popes. I thought that movie was solid, but now I feel ickier about liking it after the pope came out the other day and was like, gay people shouldn't even have civil unions. And I was like, ugh, God, I feel bad about having good feelings about the pope after seeing that movie. 
So, so like, yeah. So, like, uh, this looks like the boring Anthony Hopkins nom or whatever. And now, having said that, right? Now, here's the thing. If someone argued with me that it it would be hard for me to argue against it if someone made that case. However, it's the better it's the better version of this type of movie. There are better versions of this movie, like Amour, the Michelle Hanukkah film from 2012, which also was nominated for Best Picture. This tackles similar themes. It has the apart like the one location apartment setting, and, and you know it's about an old man confronting his uh, mortality. Um, that's a better movie, right? This is an okay, solid movie, right? It, 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 it's based off of a play, and it's very playy, and that might be off-putting for some, and to a certain extent it is for me, but they're trying, they're not trying that hard, right? Like, doing anything stylistically different than, like, say, like, uh, to differentiate it from, like, it's play origins. Well, I think they are but, okay. Well, I can't speak to the play origins, but I think, well, I guess you're right. It probably, it probably don't. It's probably not that distinct from the play, though. I would say that the editing is pretty interesting, and I think it, it's interest. It's, I think it's well deserved that it got a best editing nomination. Really? Okay. 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 Here's the thing. That like, it, it's fine. It's fine. I'm like, I don't think it's like doing. Like, I know like there are times where it's really trying to emphasize. Or it's not emphasized, but almost disorient you, like from the passage of time. But I like the way people were hyping up the editing. I'm like, you know, like here's the thing. I like, I think there. In fact, here's the thing. I think if this movie leans a little bit more into the play origins and we're like a lot more stylistic with the lighting and the camera and stuff like that, I think this would be an even better movie. And there's also. Another uh, movie that is similar to, um, there's this Oscar-nominated animated short film, uh, which I think you probably saw because you see the shorts. But I think it was one also about, like, this dude dealing with dementia or whatever, and they sort of, like, visualized it a little bit. Oh, God. I mean, I might, I mean I've seen all the shorts since, like, 2016, but I, you know, the la- uh, two of the last three years have just been blurs because, like, the short... Yeah. I don't know if there's a short film branch or who votes on it, what gets nominated. Mm-hmm. The short film branch is just like they've, – they've just decided to just be the most, uh, you know, fatalistic, nihilistic group of like 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 dark dark motherfuckers that i would never want to hang out with i mean like it's 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 just been like like dead kids it was like that like dead kids old people it's just been oh come on guys yeah yeah and there's like one light-hearted one like last year was like hair love or whatever oh that was animated but like yeah i mean there have been a couple years with there was not even one like a lighthearted yeah. live action one, but yeah, I, 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 yeah. Well, actually, one of the one of the all timers dimension things might have been animated. Actually, I don't know, but I, I'm, I'm sorry, I, 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 I let you get away from your point. But the I used to love the short films, and I'm just hoping they get back to being. Lighter. Yeah, like they're 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 uh, yeah they're playing the short films this week at like my theater. Huh. Uh, but on this film, the father, like, there's more stylistic. There are better movies that tackle this theme. There are more stylistic uh, representations of this. Having said that, it's a it's a good performance piece for uh, Anthony Hopkins, especially like at this stage of his career to have a role like this. Um, now, I wonder if it's like you know a scary role to play, like because like if you know, I'm not sure if like Anthony Hopkins is a method actor, 
But <laughs> after at this age, you do not want to go method on this role. And it's also kind of a scary... Like, this movie is... I don't think this is a date movie, my guy. Because this is a scary-ass film. Um, This movie is so scary. Like, it made me freak out. Like, wow. When I get older, who's going to be there to take care of me? And then, oh my god. Like, be forgetting stuff like all the time like i already forget stuff now like my, yeah my just, mom i guess my mom would freak out maybe if she saw that movie because like my brother lives near here but i don't but i'd be the m- much better option of between the two to take care of someone that's like old and dying <laughs> and so she's like she's willing that. to say that like on a podcast <laughs> i mean he, he's not going to listen to it and if my mom does she would agree with it because she's told me that before um but <laughs> but but yeah i mean i it was very scary i mean I, i'll say i think i enjoyed it a little more than you did and it might have just because my expectations were... i like the movie yeah. i was shocked I was yeah. shocked against the odds. I liked the movie. Right. Um, my expect um, my expectations were just so low. Like I went the day yeah. before Oscar nominations because I knew there was a chance it would get a lot, and I wanted to be able to like come from a place of authority if I felt like shitting on it, getting a nomination. That was my mindset going in. I just thought I was going to watch a guy slowly die for two hours. That's how much I knew about what the movie was actually like, and. I, I, maybe I would have thought it was if I had seen it, I have not seen Amore so maybe I just wouldn't have been as impressed if I did but I just liked the choices that it made and getting you to a point where uh, you're just disoriented to the point where you've like uh, feel like you're in the guy's head and I know people that have been in various stages of Alzheimer's before and something like the you're moving to Paris. I forgot, I forgot you hang out in South Florida. So of course. <laughs> I, I wish it was just through the old people that I sit in with theaters to sit in with theater, sit in theaters with and book a return, but that's not the people I'm thinking of. But I mean, the thing, the thing, like he keeps thinking that his daughter who's played by Olivia Coleman. I can't remember if I said that. Uh, yeah, no, what I found funny, this was the most fucking hilarious thing when I was watching the movie. Yeah. They got both the British Olivia's. Olivia Williams, who you might remember from The Sixth Sense. Like, she plays uh, Bruce Willis's um, um, wife in that. And oh. also, she's in, she's the crush in Rushmore. Uh, do you remember that? I, know. Um, I mean, I've seen both of those movies, but I did not remember where I'd seen her from before. She looked kind of familiar, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she's the teacher that um, Jason Schwartzman has a crush on in Rushmore. Um, I think I had a crush and... on her too in Rushmore. I think she, I remember her looking very pretty in that. <laughs> and, and you know, honestly, like that's been twenty years, still looking good. Yeah, uh, it's funny that they're both named Olivia, and they both do look kind of similar. And that's the kind of thing where someone can kind of get confused as to what someone looks like probably if they have alzheimer's but also they hang on to specific details like he keeps thinking she's moving to paris and like things like that combined with just like the editing and it's like oh wow i can see how things might blur together through someone that's even in just like earlier stages of alzheimer's and but, by the way i'm not sure if this was said on the pod right because um, we like there was a moment where like listeners like uh my computer died but um so uh josh had said like like he was trying to look up the character's name, um, <laughs> and, and I and I, knew, I still like the movie is fresh in my head that I remember. Like like yeah, he plays a character named Anthony, and, he, and then Josh was like, oh shit! <laughs> was I that, mean, like, you, saw it, you saw it. You saw it. You saw you saw it a week ago. I saw it like five weeks ago. So yeah. whatever. But like, I, I only remembered that because that ju- jumped out to me too. But I just love where you're just like. Wait, is Aunt, is Anthony Hopkins losing it too? Is the name him that so, so he can remember his character? <laughs> yeah, I um, mean, aside from like you know any jokes about 
um, him going method or anything like that. I think it is like a, I think, I think it is a, for someone of his age to like, I mean, display someone that's like losing it to that extent. That has to be like a little, that has to feel a little weird doing that. Um, yeah, and it's, and it's a good performance, guys. It's a good performance. Like, at first, like, when I when the movie started, I'm just like, and most, like, older actors at that point, for me especially with British actors, like, it's very easy for me to be like, all right, they're just going to do their old British dude thing, and that'll be it. And just because, like, they have that inherent gravitas, we will think it's okay, but, like, it's kind of stale you know what i mean and like I, like here's the thing i haven't watched westworld where i hear like that's a performance where anthony hopkins was awake he was ready to play like you know that type of thing so for me like i kind of think of him as like transformers anthony hopkins huh. you know not like bad but like you know just like paycheck i could do i'm doing my thing you know like in thor like that type like i'm doing this in my sleep you know yeah, yeah, oh, for sure, and it's definitely not that. And, and also, when you see that Best Actor nomination, I always hate, like, you know, like, last year, I think it was Jonathan Price who got the Best Actor nomination over, like, Adam Sandler. Like, they, like this, this British old dude always gets, like, that nomination over something more deserving, so it always starts off with, and by the way... I'd say this, I would, year, I'd say this year that British old dude is Gary Oldman, not Anthony Hopkins. I would still, like, here's the thing. Anthony Hopkins, I think it's a good enough performance. I'm cool with it. I'm cool with the nomination. I'm fine. That's not the pick I, that's not the one I would take out. I'll leave it to that. Right. I'm I'm saying I would take out Gary Oldman. Yeah, yeah, And here's the thing. I wouldn't take out Gary Oldman. He is Mank. He's Mank. Okay. I, I, I'm not going to make you say something just because I, I don't I don't want you to offend someone. I think you're worried about offending someone, so I'm not going to go there. Um, <laughs> I'm afraid of offending everybody. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, I, I'm not going to go there. I'm not going to go there. Don't say anything else, and I won't, I won't, I won't, I'll save you from yourself. But uh, yeah, I, I, it's, uh, going off of Anthony Hopkins, I'll say that I, I agree with what you said. It was a scary movie. And I think a lot of that goes to his performance because he just feels like a live wire, a short fuse that could go off at any point. And I think he does a really good job of like putting us all on edge like that. Like, I mean, I just thought he was going to just straight up eviscerate the Imogen Poots character at some point. And she's just presented as just this nice woman that can go into like these situations with the best attitude. And I felt like really bad for her at a certain point and was like really worried it was going to go even worse than it ultimately does. And I think that's a testament to his performance that I was just, I, I never knew what was coming next, you know? And, I mean, and also the movie and that, like, it keeps you on your toes with all of its editing and production design things and all that. And it's yeah, script going back again, and forth. But. I think I would have preferred a more heightened, like, stylized. I think it just was like a British. It was written by Christopher Hampton. And if you don't know, he was a playwright that also did Dangerous Liaisons. Mm. Uh, have you seen Dangerous Liaisons? I, if I have, it's been a while. Okay, I actually think you would like that movie. That was sort of like the favorite of its day. It has Pfeiffer, Glenn Close, Uma Thurman, and like uh, Jeremy Irons. Like Cruel Intentions is is like the high school version. Like it's based off the same source material, hmm. um, but like kind of like you know with like Clueless, and like like those Jane Austen things where they just would turn them in. Anyway, I think you like Dangerous Liaisons. But what I was getting at is. Had this been, like, made in the 80s, like, around the time that movie was in, I think this would be a lot more style. Like, the apartment would feel much more like a character. And it kind of does feel like a character in the film. 
but I feel like they would have, you know, I'm thinking the Ingmar Bergman version of this film, um, where it, like it's hyper stylized, like a lot of shadows and like I don't know. But as is, Anthony Hopkins is very good, and you know he's always like fluctuating. There's different degrees of this character and how much he remembers, you know, from scene to scene. For, yeah, for sure. But I think that's like a. I, I think I think it's a. I from in my personal experience, I think it's a fairly you know, on point depiction of what someone. Oh yeah. Like that. So I, I meant that as a compliment. Like I'm saying. Oh, that okay, got you. I meant that's sort of like the juggling act that he has, where like, and especially when you get to like the final scene in the movie, uh, final scenes where he, um, you know, he's no longer like, and when like this movie also comes with twists, right? Yeah, um, and I, I and I didn't see that twist coming, but I probably should have at that point, is what I'll say. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and another character's like not, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, we don't was, we don't have to spoil it, but it it it, yeah. it, it does kind of jump there because I, I don't want to spoil it because I want to encourage people to see it because I do think it's a little I I don't think it's been marketed that well and it was really hard to see for a long time, so you probably people probably didn't know anyone else that had seen it. So, so like old people who listen to this podcast, and I imagine, you know, this is, I was speaking to Josh's like South Florida pals, right? <laughs> so like, here's the thing. You'll love this movie. You'll love like It's made for you, right? This is the, every like Oscar nominees, there's one section that says for the people of Boca Raton, right? <laughs> um, and this year, this is that movie, right? Now, here's the thing. It might hit way too close to home like this is like you know i'm a black person i know that like you're kind of uneasy with some of them but anyway like kind of like where get out is like a movie that like oh wow like that 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 you 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 tapped into a fear i have this will do that for you this is your get out (laughs) okay it's a it's a great note to end on uh Old people, if you want your get out, go see this. But you know, all, all joking aside, I think it's something. If you know people, I'm gonna that, update my review on Letterbox. Call it "Old People Get Out." I think you get. I think you get a good reaction if you did that. But I do think just like if anyone else knows anyone that's like typically likes to be a completist, but they just didn't want to see this movie for fear there was one thing. I don't think it's a thing they're assuming it's going to be. So I would tell you to encourage people to see this. It's not. It's like an hour and thirty minutes. It's not long, and it's. I think it's just a. It's it's definitely if if you don't if if it's not going to hit too too close to home, I personally think it's really worth checking out and I enjoyed it. Again, might have been part of my expectations, but I just really liked it. So, uh, Josh, before we before we wrap up, do you have any other final thoughts on the, the Father? It's good, you know. Like if you go in with low expectations, that's where you should be uh, with it, and you'll be pleasantly surprised. Okay, and uh, before we actually finally finally finish up. Anything you want to plug, your Twitter, your letterbox, anything like that? I have this photography account, Brown. Oh, right, right. That's about it. Uh, like, uh, other than that, you know, you get, you guys do what you want to do, you know. Yeah, um, we, we, we don't want to give his students any other ways to find him aside from Trivia Night. Yeah. So, uh, as usual, I'm Josh Chernovoy, J-O-S-H-J-U-R-N-O-V-O-Y on both Twitter and Letterbox Podcast. Twitter is at Rewind Movie Pod. Podcast email is at TheRewindMoviePod at gmail.com. Uh, it's coming up next. I think it's going to be Godzilla versus Kong. So, everyone stay tuned for that. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.